today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, let's bring in Tim Powers, chairman. Uh, oh, no, I think that's changed. Oh, we got the old the VP of Summa Strategies, managing director of Abacus Data. He is with us now. Tim, how are you? I hope you're well. God, I'm staying at home as I sit outside on a very quiet street in a very quiet province today. Uh, is it quiet where you are? Because, you know, I was thinking, you know, I remember the early stages of this pandemic going out the front door and, I, you know, it was eerily quiet. But now I can still hear cars on the highways. I'm, I can hear a few cars on the highway, but it's certainly noticeably quieter than it was a couple of days ago. And uh, I mean, I don't know what's like in Hamilton, but it's a 22 degrees here in Ottawa. So it's a, it's a beautiful day. So p- kids are still at school here, though. So they're not quite home yet at the moment. So I'm enjoying the peace while it lasts. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Uh, the prime minister and the premiers, uh, another discussion. 29th, I guess it is for them, which is great news to see all these people uh, still uh, being relatively cordial and, and speaking with each other. What do you think goes on? What do you think was said during that meeting? I think the one word that dominates is when can I get more frigging vaccines? And uh, I, I think that's still the thing that dominates i think they maybe say amongst themselves guys we shouldn't pick on each other when we're out there doing this we need to be in this together then that all changes afterwards certainly it's not just tensions between doug ford and and uh, trudeau on on that i've seen even our liberal premier newfoundland and labrador and your fury come back and correct the the health minister on the numbers she put out there so anyway i think they are talking about vaccines i think they're also starting to talk about um, you know, the intensity of the third wave in the, in the places that it's hitting. And I heard Blaine Higgs, the New Brunswick Premier, yesterday say uh, that one of the things they did talk about uh, was potential border reopenings, um, not just from the rest of Canada to Atlantic Canada, but maybe the U.S. So glad those things are being talked about, uh, though uh, we're still a while away, I think, from that cross-border stuff happening. Well, yeah, the Center for Disease Control in the U.S. has put out a recommendation for for the people of the United States not to come to Canada. So there you go. Um, You were talking about the premiers and the and the prime minister, uh, you know, starting to jab a a little bit more. Uh, Is that because it's the provinces that seem to be getting the blame here, especially Doug Ford? He's just getting hammered. Uh, We've got uh, medical academics and and the leader of the opposition saying there's all these vaccines and freezers. Well, yeah, they just arrived in my shipment over the holiday weekend and now they're spoken for. Um, it, it seems that the provinces are still getting the heat here. Yeah, and uh, I guess credit to the feds for moving the heat off of them to the provinces, whether it's legitimately deserved or not. I, I don't know about you or your listeners. I think people tire of the, oh, it's Doug Ford's fault, or oh, it's Justin Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's fault. They just want the jabs in their arms, Scott. And the more they hear politicians squabbling with themselves over that or among themselves over that, the more irritated it can be. Look, it's part of a bigger political game. Trudeau is still keeping, though I think it's less possible, the option of a spring election on the table. But if Ontario is the way it is in six weeks from now, can't see it happening. But if in four weeks, as Doug Ford suggests, uh, 40% of the population has been vaccinated, then maybe the prime minister is tempted and he will want to make sure that he's wearing 
the success of vaccinations and the problem of distribution is worn by somebody else, whether it's Doug Ford here, Jason Kenney in Alberta. That's part of the politics that's playing itself out now. I cannot see, Tim, there being an election until everyone is vaccinated twice. And right now we're riding a wave because we're not saving any second doses. It's all going out into the arms, and we know we're the only country that's holding it back up to four months. Now they're saying with supply coming in, that could change, but we've had those arguments before. So, you know, at the end of the day, can you really see an election prior to the fall simply because if everybody's not vaccinated, this will still be uh, uh, quite an issue. And we're hoping because everybody else has been vaccinated, they're going to send us theirs. But what if there's a shortage when it's time for everybody to get their second dose, which will be in the summer? Again, you're talking like a logical, thoughtful (laughs) person. Politics is not based on that. It's based on risk assessments. It's based on gambling. You know, love or hate Trudeau. He's not afraid to gamble, uh, but he does. And he's winning the message. I mean, the liberals are doing a far better job of selling their message than the than the opposition is. I mean, the great pause again, and you know I always love talking about my home province, is Newfoundland and Labrador. The federal liberals do not want to have that happen. Even though Andrew Fury did win a majority, it was a diminished majority because of the the, the pandemic. They don't want that. But I think if Trudeau sees there's, you know, space between uh, mid-May and Canada Day to, to go for it, and there's there's you know borders opening or announcements around all of that maybe he goes uh you know any election call is not without risk and in a covid time that can be more risky because there is the possibility of a fourth wave too as we know so i'm with you i i have moved to the place where i don't think it will happen but i'm not prepared to say that it's a dead concept yet And is this a guaranteed sweep for him, for the prime minister? Because, again, let's remember uh, the very first election won gangbusters. Uh, Then the second election lost the majority to Andrew Scheer, of all people. Uh, Is this next one, uh, is this a guaranteed win for him? I don't know if anything's guaranteed, right? I mean, he was supposed to have a guaranteed win against uh, Shear, and then he had a bad campaign. You had all that blackface, horrific stuff happening. Um, you know, things can change. I mean, this is what happened to Fury. He was he had a forty point lead, uh, Scott, uh, and Justin Trudeau doesn't have a forty point cushion to start an election. He ended up winning two seats above a two a two seat majority. So Trudeau has about a six to ten point lead. Strange things happen. Uh, in elections, yes, Aaron O'Toole hasn't found his feet, but you know, Singh is is a be- is better than previous NDP leaders. Um, who knows? Uh, nothing's a guarantee. You gotta you you gotta go out to use a good cliche and play the game. Uh, let's talk about the Liberal Convention, which is uh, coming up this weekend, I guess, or just before the weekend. And we certainly know uh, the the polling after the Conservative Convention saw in, uh, saw Aaron O'Toole go down, uh, no doubt due to the climate change and their inability to uh, put a line in that said it was real. Um, so we, we certainly heard about that and how backwards they are. Uh, in, in regard to abortion, still issues like that are 30, 40 years old that are coming up. NDP, they just had their same thing, talking about uh, getting rid of the military and NATO and NORAD and all that other stuff. And there was certainly lots of publicity on how 
you know, the, the fringe extreme of that party was speaking up. What are we, are we going to see none of that from our, from the Liberal Party? Will, will it be a well, tame convention for them? Well, Scott, first of all, we have to look, be worried about the NEP. I mean, you and Will and me were on course to make a billion dollars because radio is where you make all the money. And if we make a billion dollars, <laughs> the NEP are going to tax us at 100% over that. So let's keep our earnings at 999 million, okay? Yeah. That's yeah. a pact we'll have among ourselves. But to the answer of your question, Look, the Liberals, I think the one contentious, and it's not really contentious policy debate they're going to have is around guaranteed income, and the NDP are going to talk about that as well, Uh, and you have a lot of Liberal MPs and Liberal advocates saying just effectively continue the CERB, that's uh, a good vehicle for guaranteed income. Well, that's great, um, Liberals, but it's a $44 billion expense, according to the public uh, budget officer. But, I mean, the Liberal the, the liberal Convention is best described as an episode of your, part of your network's entertainment tonight, right? Um, mm. It's about the stars, and the Liberals like to do that. So they've got Governor Carney speaking. They've got Ben Rhodes, who was with Obama. They've got a couple of Biden people. They've got the Prime Minister. They've got Sophie Trudeau. They're going to showcase the glitterati of the Liberal Party, uh, talk about climate, it and talk about how well they've done in all this. They're they're good at stage managing these things, and they have the bright shiny people to put it up. That's what they're going to do. And the NDP sing is the most popular uh, thing the NDP have. I think his challenge, a bit like O'Toole's, but hopefully for him more effectively, is not to let the wackadoodle resolutions that always accompany an NDP convention dominate the headlines. Are there any wackadoodle things in the Liberal convention? I don't know. Will it be how Mark Carney styles his hair or whether the prime minister has trimmed his beard? Uh, look, I haven't seen anything unusually wackadoodle from the liberals. I mean, for years, as you know, the great contestation in the liberal party was about the legalization of marijuana. They're pretty good at keeping stuff um, very minimal and, and unadventurous. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard anything uh, that that's coming from them that will do that. I mean, I would watch potentially for some controversy when Stefan Guibault, the current heritage minister, speaks about the environment. Guibault was a, a, a very well-known environmental advocate in, in Quebec with Equiterre before he became uh, a liberal cabinet minister. He, in that space, is not afraid to you know, push the envelope. Does something get said there that irritates a bunch of people? Uh, I don't know. And also in his role, does he talk about what he's going to do with the, you know, the, the net giants. But I, I suspect the least controversial thing will be the Liberal con- Convention, and the biggest element of that will be the seduction of Mark Carney. Will he or won't he? Yeah. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Um, <laughs> will it be more JT, all climate change, all the time? In a post-COVID-19 world, we all know how important climate change and the discussion is, but do they need to focus on more issues, concrete issues, other than fashionable issues? And we've had this conversation before, and I've been in this business long enough to know what the top issues are during any 
election. And it, it just seems all we're hearing, and I'm not saying that it's not important. It is important. But all yeah, yeah. we're hearing is climate change all the time, all climate change, all the time. And if it's not that, it's gun control or other social issues. Uh, at the end of the day, do the, do the, do the liberals need to dig a bit deeper and get something other than fashionable issues? Again, top five issues in any election are always, especially this election, uh, healthcare, healthcare security, jobs, yep. the economy, taxation, our kids. Sure, uh, these social issues are in the top 10, but they're not in the top five anymore. Is it going to require more than just all show and no go? for this party to succeed this time. Well, I think you're going to get the show on the other issues from uh, Krishia Friedland, the finance minister. She also has a prime speaking slot. Her budget, of course, is coming up in, uh, what, 10 days or so. And, uh, you know, economic recovery is one of those themes. Uh, to your point, I mean, God, I feel it today. I'm sure you do. I'm sure Will does. I'm sure everybody listening to your show does. We're all feeling vulnerable, right? If COVID-19 has done anything, it, it's made us feel more vulnerable than ever. And that vulnerability can be in many fashions, whether it's about our physical health, our economic health, the well-being of our parents, what happens to long-term care homes. You know, if God forbid we end up in there, our parents uh, end up in there. Not necessarily, God forbid, there are many good long-term care homes. So they need to talk to all of that. Where I'll give the NDP a bit of credit is when you get past the wackadoodle, round up the military and dissolve them and, you know, nationalize everything, they do have some sensible resolutions in there about what should happen with long-term care homes. Should there be federal standards? Um, They talk about... Uh, you know, um, sick leave, and, and that's a fair debate to have. The Liberals will have to touch all of that. So Trudeau and Freeland and Carney even uh, are are going to need to talk about people's immediate needs, their immediate feelings, and the anxiety they they are living through. Scott, in my very few years on the planet, and we're about the same age, and I think we'd probably agree on this. I have never felt people, uh, though you live in Hamilton, so you've gone through tro- stro- strife with the the plants there, but I've never felt people all across the board as anxious and vulnerable as they are right mm. now. And you can't be blind to that if you're a leader of any political party. And Jugmeet Singh, with the NDP, to his credit, has really done a good job of slicing through the rhetoric here and 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 centering on the prime minister. Are you concerned that the NDP and the Liberals will split the vote on the left? That's not a bad thing for conservatives. It just depends at the rate, right? Um, conservatives always do tend to hope for a split on on the left. It just depends where it is and to what degree. My bigger worry in in the from the question that you've posed is. What does that mean from a policy perspective, particularly in the long term? What does it mean for innovators, small business owners, people who have slightly different perspectives, who don't believe the state should be in every facet of our lives? That's where I worry about that. What Canada has done well generally in all political parties, maybe not to the same degree in the in the NDP, has had different voices that aren't all in line with um, whatever the message of the leader is of the day. There's challenge uh, and and change in perspective, and I, that's important to all of us. I think. How does the how do the opposition parties um, stop the 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 uh, the leading party from dictating the narrative of their own party? 
they can't really look. They they well, they have to not make mistakes, right? And we've seen O'Toole and his team have made some mistakes. That stupid video of the remember the porta potty outside Langevin yeah. Park and some of that stuff. So they got to get past that amateur hour nonsense. Don't be funny if you don't know how to be funny. Um, so you, 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 and you want to continue to put pressure on them, but the the conservatives are getting to a place and. I was interviewing O'Toole in another capacity today, and he acknowledges this, where they do have to put some policy out. I think they're trying to determine if there's going to be an election now or not, and they can wait a little bit. I mean, the sounds they're singing and the NDP are singing is that they're, you know, somebody will support the budget, so it won't come in the budget. So I think the conservatives in the opposition role need to, now that they're past their policy convention, they've gone through that circus on climate change, come forward with some plans. Uh, question is when they when they release them and how they frame them so that they aren't subject to uh, unnecessary ridicule and chastisation. Aren't they dead in the water until they resolve the climate change issue, until they finally come out and say, here's what we stand for? In most of Canada, yeah. Uh, and in a lot of voting groups, look, in the West, as you know, and again, I don't want to speak too generally, but there's still support for... Uh, you know, axing the carbon tax, whatever the hell that really turns out to be. But um, you can't be a serious party in Canada and win in all of Canada unless you have, uh, to use the word used most often, a serious climate uh, plan and one that isn't just seen to be, as as uh, Shears was, a lot of empty rhetoric without a lot of substantive action. So, O'Toole has to prove that whatever his climate plan is, it is substantive, real, and better than what Shear offered, while at the same time managing the the interests of some of the par- people in the, uh, in the in the party who are from the West. I remember seeing an interview uh, a couple of weeks ago with Gerald Butts, who was the former right hand yep. man to uh, the Prime Minister, on TV. Uh, talking about, and it was probably after the conservative convention, uh, talking about uh, what the conservatives had uh, had published and such, and and said that uh, you know if there's another better way f- other than a, a carbon tax, what the heck is it, and why wouldn't the rest of the world found it by have found it by now? Yep. Is there any is there any truth to that? I mean, it's an argument. Is it carbon tax or nothing? I, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, skilled yeah. enough in that area to know, but it's certainly an argument that Gerald Butts can make with effect because that seems to be the policy that's been adopted by and large by by many nations. There's trading, right? Uh, the Conservatives originally under Harper looked at uh, uh, trading schemes, emission trading schemes. Um, uh, there's different carbon capture technologies, but can they come on stream fast enough? Can they work in a, you know, a, a energy, alternative energy supply? Conservatives always talk about liquefied natural gas, for example, of enhancing Canada's production of that because it has a lower, uh, lower emittance. So there's other ways, but does, do they do, do they hit the broad swath that the liberals and others would argue carbon, consumer carbon pricing does? Is climate change going to be the biggest message coming out of this convention? I don't think it can be. I mean, back to your point a few minutes ago. I think, look, they got to talk about that being the next threat. You would be shocked if they didn't. The need to act. Um, but they still have to live in the moment. They can't step out of the moment because we're all in the moment. Uh, and I think, 
you're going to hear a lot about how we've come together, how we've worked hard, how, you know, what do we need to keep going? The finish line's almost in sight. The, what, I'm sick of emergency breaks, lockdowns, stay-at-homes, whatever the jargon of the day is, we're going to hear that repeated often. Uh, and we're going to talk about how we're all going to bounce back stronger, better than ever. So that will be more than climate change, but climate change will be part of, I think, how the liberals will argue we will bounce back stronger, better than ever. Build back better. Build back better. You said it, buddy. You're already uh, a walking jargon machine. Well, I didn't say it. Biden said it. But, you know, <laughs> that and, you know, I, I love it when all three provincial parties have said no one gets left behind. I love that. Oh, that's my favorite. Well, I mean, there's so much um, BS, the Golden Shovel Award. Uh, I'm not sure who to give it to. There could be many multiple recipients uh, in this two-year period that we've gone through. I... I- I used to host a cable show where uh, there would be oh, all three goodness. representation from all three political parties, and the NDP representative said, uh, no one gets left behind, to which the liberal representative said, that's because nobody gets ahead. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was quite interesting. And really, we're seeing that with vaccination. We're sitting around, I don't know, 40th, 50th, you know, somewhere around there. No, you know, we don't get ahead. Yeah, we're we're really, yeah, doing really well there, but uh, you know, there's only one one government to blame for that. But uh, as the, other governments would argue, I just that really is the sickening part of this for me. We started off well, I think, where governments were cooperative. I know people's tempers are afraid. I know they're fed up. I know they're tired, but. Come on, this is the time when you dig deep, all of you governments, and say enough of this nonsense between ourselves. Let's just get this job done for Canadians. It's like the final minutes of a rugby game. That's right, Scott. You're smashing bodies, trying to get that score, and then you go have a beer afterwards and say, God, wasn't that great? With both sides. With both sides, exactly. See, Doug Ford and Justin Trudeau, with, uh, Premier Ford, I don't think drinks. They could, they could have seltzers together, alcohol-free seltzers. <laughs> seltzers. Tim Powers, VP of Summa Strategies, Managing Director of Abacus Data. You got Tim it wrong always... again. You demoted me. Come on, chair. I thought it was, is it chairman? Yeah. I see, I thought it God. had a, I, I thought chairman was wrong and VP was right. No, no. See, I don't know my uh, my I mean, hierarchy my structures the like you do. There be an insurrection, not getting my elitism right, Scott. Oh, shame on you, Todd. Tim Sarah. Powers, Chairman of Sumo Strategies, <laughs> Managing Director of Abacus. Tim, have yourself a uh, great day. Uh, all the best. Be well. Take care, my friend. Bye. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on nine hundred CHML.